0: Sometimes it feels like everything in the world is on our shoulders, doesn't it? I remember political ads last year that made it feel like my donation, my one vote would make the difference between my candidate winning or losing. For well over a year, we all had to scrutinize every decision we made about going out anywhere, whether to see the doctor or go for a walk. We lived with the worry that the wrong choice, a face mask, going to the grocery store or carry out restaurant at the wrong time, or lingering too long to catch up with our mail deliverer might make us catch the virus. Even our own Unitarian Universalist faith has a big focus on individual choice and agency. Most often changing the world and work for justice are framed in terms of our personal choices, our willingness to make change in our own lives and habits. In this way, it can sometimes feel a bit like we are the last Jedi, like justice and peace and goodness will all just fall apart if we don't keep on keeping on. Now, I absolutely believe that our choices matter that each of us has something important and unique to offer this world, but I also think this idea that people are completely independent, autonomous individuals, and that everything's on our shoulders alone only serves those who don't want us to find our collective power. It's a worldview we can't afford to assume as gospel any longer. Luke Skywalker teaches Rey a similar lesson in The Last Jedi. Master Skywalker, we need you to bring the Jedi back because Kylo Ren is strong with the dark side of the Force. Without the Jedi, we won't stand a chance against him.
1: What do you know about the Force?
0: It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float.
1: Impressive. Every word in that sentence was wrong. Lesson one, sit here, legs crossed. The Force is not a power you have. It's not about lifting rocks. It's the energy between all things, a tension, a balance that binds the universe together. Okay. But what is it? Close your eyes. Breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings. What do you see? The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Warmth. Cold. Peace. Violence. And between it all? Balance and energy. A force. And inside you?
0: Inside me that same force
1: and this is the lesson that force does not belong to the jedi to say that if the jedi die the light dies is vanity can you feel that
0: sometimes it might feel like the evil empire is winning and the resistance is losing strongholds all sorts of things in our world are changing right now Authoritarianism threatens democracy, not only in the United States, but in many countries around the globe. Powerful institutions that have been around for a long time and fought against injustices of many kinds are fading in their influence. News and journalism in the midst of, is in the midst of changing forms once again. But just as the news is bigger than newspaper or magazines or blogs, just as democracy is bigger than any one government, no institution or political party or church or other organization owns the power that lifts up those whom the world brings low, the power that fills the hungry with good things and topples the mighty from their thrones. That power that we recognize as inherent in every human being, that power that is so often born to the poor and the ordinary, that power that surges in crowds marching for freedom and colleagues unwilling to sit by and allow injustice to continue on their watch. That power flows in all of us as surely as the force does in Star Wars and it flows strongest and best when we come together in shared purpose and community. When I was a teenager, I joined hundreds of other youth in Nashville, Tennessee for General Assembly, the annual business meeting of the Unitarian Universalist Association. The population of people living without homes on the street was quite large there that summer, and there was a man who would ask us for water or money every time we went into the door closest to the youth programming. Well, one evening on our way to an evening service, we noticed an ambulance near the convention center. That man was lying next to it. My friends and I felt responsible, culpable. There we were enjoying a conference talking about largely esoteric things, while he struggled to find food, shelter, water, human affection. It was a time in my life I felt keenly aware of how great the need is and how limited my power is as an individual to meet that need. Now, my friends and I went on to collect spare change from other youth at GA that year. We had a pretty fun trip to a Kroger grocery store to buy non-perishable foodstuffs, and we donated them to a local Baptist food mission. The newspaper even wrote an article about it. And it was that experience that helped me understand in a deep way the importance, not only of my own power, my own choices, my own agency, but of organizing our power so that our efforts have a deeper impact. Remember friends, none of us is the last Jedi. And even if we were, the Jedi don't have a monopoly on the force. The same power that has lifted us each up in our worst moments, the same power that has brought peace to flower from the strong roots of justice, the same power flows through you and through me and through every other person. May we honor it, by organizing our power, sharing our abundance, and remembering that while our choices matter, the work for justice is not all on our shoulders. I've often
1: heard it said that we're more powerful together than we are apart but that means we have to be willing to first come together. It can be hard to pick one focus, one issue, one community partner with whom to go all in. But imagine what you could change in your town or city if your congregation did just that. Instead of focusing on 10 or 15 different things every year, what if we chose one as a congregation? What if we chose one as an entire Unitarian Universalist association? It doesn't mean we have to abandon the issues or battles we think are most important, but it might mean that in our congregations and other communities, we have to learn to center work that's different from the issues or strategies we might most prefer. It might mean letting go of our need to wordsmith the language, to control the narrative, to be the ones making the calls. It might mean being willing to move where the force, the spirit, the justice energy is calling us to go instead of where we might want to go.
0: I won't let them win! Saving
1: what we love. As Rose puts it, that's how we're going to win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. Now, our faith has long been about deconstruction. Deconstructing theology. Deconstructing ideologies of oppression. And deconstruction is really important. It's, it's one of Fowler's stages of faith development, after all. We all go through that, tearing apart the things that we've been taught and seeing if they really even make sense. But it's not the end-all, be-all. It's not the goal. We can't just tear down everything that isn't working or is harmful We also have to be about constructing a positive faith for ourselves, about building a just world for all. As we see in Star Wars, destroying the Empire wasn't enough. Without a working government and society, the door was open for the First Order to rise. And Rose is right. Destroying the First Order won't be enough either. It certainly won't be enough for Finn to sacrifice himself just to destroy one weapon, however powerful. In our own world, we see this too. Even anti-racism, as important and powerful as it is, is not the end goal. It's a piece of the journey. It's about deconstructing the systemic, powerful, Oppressive force of racism in our world and also its accomplices, classism and poverty and homophobia, and so many others. But that work has to be paired with a positive vision for the world of which we dream. There's a wonderful UUA curriculum about this very thing. It's called Building the World We Dream About, which is both an anti-racist workshop, but also one that addresses this very issue by pairing anti-racist work with the work of building the beloved community. In the proposed eighth principle, we see the same pairing, not just anti-racist and anti-oppressive work, though that matters, but also the vision of beloved community. And let me take a moment to tease that out. We use that term a lot, beloved community. Martin Luther King Jr. used it. He got it from the philosopher Josiah Royce. What does that mean? Well, if I can try to sum it up in a few sentences, it means something like a vision of people living and being together in peace with the presence of justice. It means an end to oppressions of all forms. It means the flourishing of each human life and all of our lives together and i'm not sure that any of us living in a world as broken as this one is right now can fully grasp what that would even look like but the good news is we don't have to we can get closer to it each and every day through our own and our collective actions As a parent, I have to remind myself sometimes of this, that it's not enough to stop a bad behavior, not enough to tell a child to cut it out. Though sometimes, of course, that's all we have the time and energy for. We have to pair that with showing our children a positive vision of who they can be, what they can do, what hopes and dreams we have for them, what hopes and dreams of their own they can nurture. Life isn't about avoiding the bad stuff. It's about making sure we save and create the good stuff too. So don't just tell me what you're doing to oppose racism. Tell me too what you're doing to promote your vision of beloved community. Don't just tell me what you're fighting. Tell me about what you love. And how you're working to save that. Because friends... We don't win just by fighting what we hate. We win by saving by creating what we love. So maybe be.